Hi, and welcome to this episode of the Projected Opinions Podcast, the best movie podcast in about the time that it takes the average American to commute to work. My name is Matt Noble. And I'm Nathan Payne. And we are back this week with a review of Sicario 2, uh, also known as Sicario Day of the Soldado, also known as Soldado. Soldado. So... Depends on what stage you caught it in. Yes. Uh, this has been kind of all over the map. They had a, uh, not too many production problems, but I, I think uh, we'll get to this a little bit later. Uh, the studio wasn't quite sure what they were going to do with this uh, until it hit theaters. So uh, we're going to jump right into what we thought of the film, spoiler-free as usual. So Nathan, in a couple minutes, what did you think without spoilers? So I am a massive fan of the first movie. Just if, if you have not caught a review of Sicario 1, go back a couple weeks and uh, and find it. It should be like episode 19 or something. I believe so. So, um, so if you didn't if you didn't catch from that gushing effusive effusively <laughs> uh, um, on our parts, the first movie is one of my favorite films, and so I had high expectations when i came into this movie um and i was a little disappointed and i'll get to reasons why later because a lot of it involves like how the story is told and unfortunately i have to use examples um on the whole this is a decent film it is in my opinion better than a lot of what hollywood produces it's got a more engaging plot, and it's far more apropos than a lot of stuff that I've seen recently. Um, the only thing that made me disappointed was the fact that I was comparing it directly to the first, the first Sicario. And it's very hard to top that movie um, in my brain, and so that was not a great... Um, expectation to set for this movie. However, I will say, I do think for the most part that this movie is a logical continuation of the escalation of events that occurred in the first movie. And so if you are kind of a political movie watcher, if you kind of watch things for what they imply and kind of um, the elements of the real world that they try to explore, this is definitely a series for you. This is the kind of movie that will get you talking with your friends about just current events and what's going on in the world um, and how countries interact with each other. And I think that's a topic that a lot of movies just kind of poke at but never really dive into. And this movie dove into that argument. Um, so I found it very intriguing and I was kind of thinking the whole time. Um, so I enjoyed the experience um but i definitely do think it was it could have been told better if that makes sense uh i think i agree with most of the things that you said in that i, I had pretty high expectations i think this is my second most anticipated film of the year uh going in um i i want to make sure that our audience realizes we don't just hate all movies yeah <laughs> most of the time we, we come in and we're like hey we're really excited about this and then, then we come back and we're like oh we just didn't like it uh if you caught our reviews of most of the things that we've seen recently they uh, haven't been good they haven't been great and and what's not that we just are super pretentious although i've been called that many times yeah uh 
we, and perhaps it's just, you know, hyper-optimism of how good something could be and just having high expectations, but I think we just, we see so much potential in something Mm -hmm. like uh, Soldado that uh, when we see that potential wasted, at least in our our opinion, um, it's just really hard to get over. Uh, Right, and so here's the other thing. We're not comparing these movies to each other a lot of times, so if I compare Sicario Day of Soldado to... Tomb Raider is my favorite one to pick on right now. Um, It is miles above a movie like that. So if you were to compare things like that, this is a great movie. Right. But you're comparing it to what I'm comparing it to is the first Sicario, which I would put on my top 10 forever list right now. And I don't think there's much that can take it off. So a lot of it is just kind of being relative. So. And that's fair. So I, I did in. Uh, enjoy it I, I will say i felt grimy most of the time uh it just was it's just a heavy dirty film um not these dirty are not this is not way, a children's but... movie this is not an action flick for the sake of action right it's it is emotionally to going to trash you yes um which the first one did too but differently and we can get mm-hmm. into that spoilers uh so i i did i i was glad that i saw it unlike jurassic world 2 uh however i i was somewhat let down um so uh things that i liked about mm-hmm. the film without spoilers uh i thought the acting was good agreed um but not g- as good as it was in the first one i thought it, i thought it was good not great but good mm-hmm. um oh, man I, I miss emily blunt she just brings so much gravity she might be coming back in the third one though uh so we'll get to that uh, later um so i thought the acting was good i thought the editing was not bad at all uh there were several long takes uh in vehicles which if you if you don't know camera rigs are huge yeah they don't just fit so it's not like you're a point and no. shoot uh it's not even like a, a large dslr um like a digital camera it is it's like a 40 pound box that's like several feet yeah so imagine if you have like four or six shoe boxes taped back to back to back to back uh that's how big some of these are um and that's a small one uh that you can try to fit inside of a vehicle so when you're doing something like this and you have uh you basically cut off the top of a car and you put this camera rig on top of it uh so the camera can move around inside the vehicle and see different people's faces uh that's really cool and difficult to mm-hmm. do uh also in one shot that's really difficult because mm-hmm. you time every single thing so when a car is about to crash and you you plan it all out uh this whole action sequence the camera's moving around in the back seat in front of people it moves and turns so it faces out the front windshield and that's when the impact happens and then, like in, the amount of marks that so many different people oh, involved in this it has have to be to perfect. Hit. Timing has to be perfect. And then what happens is sometimes uh, the cameraman gets out with the the camera and does a steady cam shot from the car, and that's very difficult. If you if you have never seen someone use a steady cam system before, go YouTube it. Uh, these guys are crazy. Uh, good and some do. of some of the gimbal things that so steadicam is kind of that was invented for rocky the first one 
Um, interesting tidbit there. Um, current systems, since they're getting a bit smaller, they're trying to get smaller, use what we call a gimbal, which is basically three motors that kind of steady the camera inside of this cage. Um, and if you want to look at that Google um, three axis gimbal, and some of the things that you see these operators do <laughs> is insane. Crazy. And you can hook them up to cranes and drones. These, these people and, so, and the gimbals like holding. The right. And so like a drone will fly down in front of this operator and he'll grab it off the drone and keep going for minutes. Or he'll be up on a crane like 20 feet in the air and the crane will set the operator down with the camera and then he'll just walk off of it. La La Land did that a couple of times. Like some of the things that they had to do for choreography and just like mm -hmm. timing of technical things. A great example is uh, uh, Born Ultimatum. Mm -hmm. uh, Matt Damon runs, spoiler alert for Born Ultimatum, uh, runs from one rooftop, jumps, and lands through a, window. through a window into another building. The camera operator went with him. So he ran after him, made the same jump, and was obviously suspended by a crane uh, so that like he didn't quite go through the window. Right. But... He had to do that too, and he's operating a camera. The looking stunts this, of the camera crew are insane. It's so insane. Like well, I'll you, put some notes. Uh, I'll yeah. put some links in the notes of the show notes here. So go ahead and make sure you check those out. But I know we spent like four minutes talking about right. camera operators. However, uh, I don't think it can be overemphasized how skilled some of these guys are. And there were multiple times in this film where I thought that is a cool shot, and it, it was reminiscent for me of Children of Men. Yes. Uh, when they had that long single take in, in the, the vehicle. Forest, yeah. Yeah. And I thought there are a couple times when that happened in this film. And I thought, man, that is so freaking cool and hard to do. I appreciate it. How about that? I, I just appreciated some of the skill that mm -hmm. it was not Denis Villeneuve who directed the first one. Uh, it was not uh, Roger Deakins who did uh, director of photography for the first one. But it was good. Yeah. It was good. So... The reason the, the team from the first movie couldn't come back is because they were both busy doing Blade Runner 2049 and winning several Oscars for that. Um, so, you know, fair enough. But, Anna, right now, I think they're... Are they both working on Dune? No. Denis is. I think... Um, Deacons. Deacons' next movie is called Goldfinch, I believe. I forget who's directing Interesting. it. Interesting, okay. I'll come back Sorry. to that. But anyway. Sorry, we'll do some research, come back to you in a news <laughs> episode or something, I guess. Uh, so this film, lots of skill. Uh, the storyline was just lost. Uh, it, it's it's hard to tell a good story and do great technical work. Um, and a lot of times, technical work is easier than like making sure the story points are hit just perfectly. Um, and in this film, I think we we missed a few opportunities. So that's what I liked, and that's what I think was weak in this film. So let's jump in. Uh, spoilers now on Sicario 2, Nathan. I'm going to piggyback off of what you just started there, and I will say that the biggest letdown for me for this movie, um, and it kind of comes in two main points. One, I think it was not as focused as the first film. Agreed. The first film had a character that you followed through the madness, and the point of that character was to be like the audience's way in. Mm -hmm. We're talking about Emily Blunt's character. 
this character with no previous knowledge is mm-hmm. put in this situation, just like the audience, and you follow her and you just observe what's mm-hmm. going on. Um, that character, that moral compass is taken out of this movie. And this movie also attempts to broaden the horizons of the situation that we were in. And it goes too far, I would say. It goes... Yes. So, it, just it, to it lay a little bit so of the groundwork. It so many storylines to follow. It this, cannot do all of them The well. first film involves specifically drugs and people moved across one small part of the Texas border near El Paso. And the CIA and the FBI and their fight with that cartel leader. This movie goes from that to all of the cartels in Mexico. Uh, not only that, the war on terror as a whole. And then goes beyond that to Yemen and like the Middle um, East, the Middle East Europe. and suicide bombers. And that whole subplot didn't need to exist. And the reason why that plot did exist is for the one plot point of now we've got more budgets and since we've classified the cartels as terrorists it allows the cia to do clandestine things in other countries under the um (laughs) under the laws that we pass currently that it wouldn't have allowed them to do if they weren't terrorists and we got all of that explained to us in a scene anyway we didn't need to see any of the actual things going on we didn't need to see the torture scenes we didn't need to see anybody blow up you could have removed that entire subplot 30 minutes of the film almost. basically and tightened this thing up a lot and i think i think just that would have made the movie and the crazy that much thing better. is we don't even go back to dc to wrap that story right. up like we, we're told it's literally it's, just there to explain one point the the director of <laughs> cracks me up the director of national security skypes in with the people on the Mexican border tells them like, oh, you made a mess of things and we're going to like totally backstep on this and wrap it up. We're pulling your funding, kill everyone. Oh, okay. Well, I do know politics can change rapidly. I get that. And I I would have, it it felt like, you you remember the old uh, Jack Ryan uh, movies with Harrison Ford Uh that were were not bad. I like Clear and Present Danger. I think that's a lot of fun. Um, the, The political machinations it felt kind of like that. It felt like that. And then at the same time, very much like we're going to totally leave this by the wayside and go do something else completely mm-hmm. different. Um, and it almost felt Jason Bourne-y in a, in a, a little way bit, that but was there was no, good. there was no real um, stakes, if you will. So like the main characters couldn't get hurt anyway. So like they spoilers, they, they go and they basically disobey everything that he says from that point on. Like they all just kind of willingly negotiate the terrain to where, mm-hmm. They don't have to actually do anything that he asked them to do. And nothing happens. They all survive. They're fine. Like, there's nothing shown, like, that that would imply that that is an actual problem. Yeah. Because it it was just fine. Can I touch on a couple things? Go for it. Before I forget. Mm -hmm. So, I I thought there were a few interesting notes. Um, This film does lack a moral compass in many ways. Uh, has too many storylines uh, and and leaves audiences feeling disconnected i think emotionally from the film and there in the at the end of the second act you get a new character that's introduced very briefly uh who very quickly it's it's clear that this is an emotional moment in the movie mm-hmm. a, a turn point for multiple characters mm-hmm. 
Uh, and the character that's introduced is deaf. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's this deaf Mexican farmer. And I found it very interesting that to create an, um, an emotional response and reconnect us morally and emotionally, we are given a deaf character. Now, you and I both have deaf friends mm-hmm. uh, and know people within the deaf community, mm-hmm. uh, here at least locally. And one, I find that interesting and encouraging mm-hmm. uh, in some ways that, hey, we we still, the most human character in this movie is someone from the deaf community. Right. Which I, I appreciate. And it didn't have to be either. Like that, right. That could the, have been totally the place could have been taken by any kind of character that they wanted to build. So I, it was interesting that they picked that. that. And it, it was nice. I enjoyed uh, it. My only concern is this. I'm afraid we are potentially going to get to the point of where members of the deaf community become throwaway characters simply to make you feel something. Uh, and I don't think that's what was happening here, but that's my concern. It would be an easy thing to do for Hollywood to be like, Oh, and you have to like feel sorry for them because they're deaf. And that would be so annoying. I think, I think they did it well in this movie. And the reason that I'll say that is because that character is never supposed to be pitied, pitied, right? They're living their life and they happen to come across and they remind the main character why they're doing what they're doing. And it didn't come across to me as just because they were deaf, that that was Mm -hmm. a reason that I connected emotionally. And so I don't know if that's just me because I have deaf friends. And so that that's not hugely abnormal for me to see. Right. But I, I, I didn't feel like that was like that the character was there to be pitied at all. Right. I felt like it was just this random coincidence. And then it was on the transformation that that character's point of view provided. Mm-hmm. So I think he, they did it well. He was a perfect foil. Mm-hmm. Uh, our, our, one of our main characters, uh, Benicio de Toro's character, mm-hmm. uh, was significantly impacted. And even uh, the girl that he's kidnapped like starts feeling the starts having an emotional connection uh, to him as well. Mm-hmm. And so I think that, that there was a huge turning point because of this new right. deaf character. Which I appreciated, but also I hope it just doesn't become a pattern because it's easy. Right. I think that would be the wrong way to do that. I mean, for it would take me off a lot because we've now had several movies where important good characters have been deaf, mm-hmm. and I don't want that to be. I don't know, like a leverage tool later on. Anyhow, that was yeah. that was something I really wanted to touch on. The yeah. whole time I was watching the film, I thought, oh, this is so cool. Also, I really hope this this doesn't become, doesn't become something yeah. stupid uh, right. later on in the future with Hollywood. Um, so that, that was a really cool moment, I thought. Um, what I think really frustrated me in, so parallels with the first one and the second one. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in this first one, uh, Emily Blunt's character... Uh, Emily Blunt's character gets kind of sucked deeper and deeper and deeper into this well of espionage and like really dark, sketchy, morally sketchy things uh, within the FBI. 
And in this character, uh, and in this um, film, it's almost like one Benicio de Toro's uh, character is is far into the dark zone. Basically, at the beginning, you get halfway or two thirds of the way through the movie, and suddenly you're like, "Oh no, he's changing in some way, doing mm-hmm. the right thing." Almost, at least you're led to believe mm-hmm. that this is the right thing. Because he's he's going to finish out the mission even if it risks his life, mm-hmm. but this whole mission is like ridiculous, right? And and so at least with um, Emily Blunt's character, you're still rooting for her the whole time. Mm-hmm. And then halfway through this film, you realize, okay, I'm rooting for him. He's he's been blacklisted, mm-hmm. and I I know I'm supposed to feel sorry for him, but is he actually still doing the right thing? Uh, it, was this the right thing to do? in the first place and and so you suddenly don't know like you you, it splits up the team and now they're at odds and you don't want them to kill each other sicario but at the same time you're like whom i don't even know who i'm supposed to be rooting for and it becomes really muddled whereas in the first one it becomes clearer and clearer and clearer and clearer i thought i think that's on purpose and i think that has to do more with the overall plot than just this one instance of good storytelling if you will and i think i think what this movie is trying to show is how convoluted this battle really is and how neither side is doing good things and everybody's just kind of uncertain and they get to the point where they're so far in they're going what are we even doing and is it actually helping and i don't think this movie the first movie has a moral compass in that character and i don't think this movie because it starts without a moral compass i think the point of this movie is just to kind of show you how bad it it has gotten i don't think that it it ever intended to tell you a way out i don't think that it ever intended to show you a right or wrong i think it's just trying to call attention to the facts as it sees them mm-hmm. and i think if there was a moral compass in this movie a a parallel to emily blunt's character i think it was the kid in, interesting in mccallan oh, oh that the, became the the coyote oh interesting okay. because he did what emily blunt like could have done he was the other side of that coin she had she had the strength to leave, but he got sucked in, and then he decided, okay, I'm going to go with it. And then it changed him completely. Yeah. And I think it would have been a very interesting take for this movie, because the first one is Sicario, and it follows Emily Blunt down the rabbit hole, and then she, she gets to a point where she morally cannot keep going, and she gets out. Okay. I think it would have been very interesting to have him almost be that character. And to mm. follow him, and then when he gets to the point of moral no return, he, he goes, keeps going. okay, and he keeps going. I think it would have been far more interesting and thought-provoking to follow him in. However, Hollywood would not do that, because they're already getting enough negative stereotype backlash right. over this movie. Yes. Well, and, and, and that's the thing. I, I think the more interesting story here would have been, if you're going to create a theoretical political situation which this Mm -hmm. film does with the terrorism coming across the the border and like hey now suddenly we're on lockdown whatever i I think the more interesting scenario would have been hey imagine if 
uh, Congress took human trafficking seriously before there was a terrorist attack, and suddenly now we have a human trafficking war, if you will. Like just like we have a war on drugs, now we have a war on trafficking, mm-hmm. uh, and and made like amped that up. Uh, because here we are sitting in, in Southeast Texas. If you don't know anything about Southeast Texas or Texas in general, one third of the nation's, uh, trafficked people come through the state, uh, and are trafficked along the I-10 corridor of Mm -hmm. which we uh, are sitting on the most Eastern point of, uh, and so in the state of Texas, in the state of Texas, we, thousands of people pass through our city being trafficked every single day. Mm -hmm. And so when we started out with that info at the beginning of the film, about human trafficking, I thought, man, this is going to be really, really good because it's going to be comp- incredibly poignant. And Almost never touched on it again. It was it. just to set up a terrorist subplot that was just to... Set like, up a kidnapping subplot, right. which is just to get Benicio del Toro and this girl in the middle of nowhere uh, and then have to come across the border. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought that was very weak storytelling. So maybe uh, uh, Sheridan's script was weak. Uh, and maybe just needed a few more drafts, or the production company was meddling a little There's bit. There's a fair with Final chance Cut. that there was a bit of meddling that went on. Um, and my evidence for this, and I've told you already, Matt, but my evidence is the the five name changes that this movie went through, starting at Soldado, and then Sicario Two, and then Sicario Two Day of the Soldado, and then uh, Sicario Day of Soldado. I think is the final release name that they're sticking with. Um, and I think it's, I, I don't think that anybody that was involved really knew the one point that they wanted to hit. And so they tried to hit like three different points and that loss of focus kind of killed the momentum that they could have had. Um, I think they should have steered it in one direction and I think it could have been good if they had gone with any number of them. They could have just stuck with the drug war and just focused on that. They could have stuck with terrorism and shifted entirely to that, Mm. or they could have done human trafficking and, you know, you could have small terrorist like subplots there, but at least it would, you know, connect to the main plot. Um, But I think trying to do all of the things a little bit killed the momentum of, or the poignancy of any of the points. Yeah. If that makes sense. It does. So, yeah. Well, uh, I think overall we, Liked the movie, but felt like it could have obviously been more developed in, in mm-hmm. a few different ways. I'm still excited about the third one. I am. I, I'm, I'm not as excited as I was about this one. Right. Um, I will be interested to see who gets attached because this had a great cinematographer, uh, uh, a new director, which was interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that that was a great project for a new director. I, I think agree. it That's needed more experienced hands. It was really complex. Now, granted, like Denis Villeneuve had only a couple projects under his belt as well, um, right? But uh, it's a difficult topic mm-hmm. and a, a difficult. There's a lot going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, anyhow, thanks so much for listening to our review of Sicario Two or Sicario whatever it's Day called. of Soldado. Yeah, yes, whatever it's called. Uh, be sure to check us out on social media. And uh, subscribe. Also, some uh, really exciting news coming next week. Uh, we will be launching a website uh, called projectedopinions.com. Whoop, whoop. So we're really excited about that. Check it out. By the time you're listening to this, hopefully it will be live. 
and uh, we'll be able to update some written pieces for things that we're not able to do podcasts for. So uh, feel free to, to subscribe to the podcast and check out our website. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time.